Welcome to the Three Forms Podcast, a joint production of Beaver Dam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. Together we are touring our historic Three Forms of Unity, the Belgic Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Considering how these old and trusted paths can equip and lead God's people in the midst of today's challenges. So let's start this week's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Pastor Lloyd Hemstreet. And I am Reverend Tyler Wagamaker. And we are on episode six, Lord's Day six of the Heidelberg Catechism. Tyler, yes. we're moving right along. We, we, we are moving right along, actually. In fact, uh, this kind of gives us this idea where we left off and last Lord's Day was priming the pump to to introduce us to this mediator, this this Savior, really, that we need. And we're going to be told in this Lord's Day who this wonderful Savior is. We're even going to be given a name. That we are. That we are. So let's go ahead and dig right into it okay, and find out do. who is this perfect this perfect man, the perfect man that we need. Yes. In fact, the, the perfect man, in fact, that reminds me, Lloyd, I was um, listening in to, well, in, involved in this conversation in a, a youth setting at church a couple weeks ago, and some of the girls were talking about a perfect man to marry. Uh, and they were kind of going through some of the qualifications, you know, maybe perhaps a type of certain kind of career and uh, certain maybe even kind of income. Definitely funny. You want, you want to, to have, they said, want to have a man who was funny, who was a, a sense of humor, who was a churchgoer, obviously. This is a Christian, a Christian circle. And, and I think one of them mentioned about pets. Okay. That uh, pets were, you know, a specific kind of pet, even too, a certain kind of dog. Oh, so we're getting very specific, very specific in in their minds, and a lot of times, certain, you know, these girls. But if you're going to have the perfect man, it's going to be a specific criteria. It, it is. Maybe it's maybe it's like a labradoodle or something like that. Okay. Which they, I don't think they shed. Actually, I, I hear a lot of very positive things about labradoodles, for okay. instance, yep. Lloyd. I, yep. uh, so there are many. You know, people have certain ideas about. Th- about the perfect person. And again, these girls are thinking about the perfect man, perhaps, to marry, and realizing, of course, there's no perfect man. But right. but in their dreams, if they could, and in some ways, actually, Lord's Day 6 is a description of the true perfect man who who we get to marry as okay. the bride of Christ. See how see, see what I did there, Lloyd? I did. See, I, do. I, I did. So we are this this girl. We are the bride, and we are needing a perfect husband. And so Lord's Day 6 is actually describing for us the perfect husband. Right. But is it just a dream, or is it a reality, Lloyd? Well, it is a reality, because uh, without that reality coming to life, uh, we've already established that we're hopeless because of our sin and misery. And so the catechism left off with, he's got to be both truly human and truly God. Well, what does that really mean? And so that's what the Catechism begins with in question 16, digging into the details of what this looks like. We've used this theological language. Well, what does that actually mean? Question 16, why must he be truly human and truly righteous? And the answer is, God's justice demands it. Man had sinned, man must pay for his sin, but a sinner cannot pay for others. 
Yeah, we talked about in a last episode, we gave the examples of the Pharisees and tithing and the issues mm, of righteous yeah. injustice or righteous injustice that they need to go ahead and do as well. And we see here in, in, in God's word that we are commanded to keep all of his law and all of his commandments. And, you know, the popular culture, the, the thoughts uh, that, you know, I've, I've seen bumper stickers before, believe it or not, that God is love. And you, oh, oh. Yeah. Huh. And, and so this is how the world wants to think about God. And that's certainly how First John says that mm-hmm. God is. But there's also many other portions of the Bible that give us a little different picture of who God is in his entirety. Uh, one of those other uh, passages that would point to something a little different than just a blanket God is love would be a passage like Psalm 7 verse 11. Psalm 7, verse 11 says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Indignation every day. Well, how does, how does that work out? How, how come God is, is so righteous and indignant? Well, the problem is our lack of righteousness is what causes God's indignance, you know? Sometimes I'm, I'm frustrated with my kids and I'm like, well, if you guys would just listen, we wouldn't be so frustrated, <laughs> you know? There's that just simple reality. So you experience your own certain level of indignation at times at, then. At, at times with at, my children, at there's, times, there's yeah. frustration yes. even bordering on indignation. Okay. It does not change the fact that I still love my children. Okay, okay. So, that, that is so Lloyd is love too then, right, on uh, some level? Yeah, I don't know that we want to go to that. Oh, okay, kind of okay, that's that, wonderful. That that's might good. be an overstatement. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely an overstatement. But... This reality of of God's justice, it demands it, and it demands that we pay for sin. And as we said last time, a sinner cannot pay for the sins of another. Mm. We can't pay this debt ourselves. And Uh, Ferdinand, the bull, can't can't also. We established that, I think, in the last time as well. That's what we talked about last week as well. Uh, Another reality that ties in with this, uh, sometimes in the Roman Catholic Church, you'll hear this idea of the saints and the treasury of the saints, and that they have all this righteousness that uh, they can help or assist Mm -hmm. others with, maybe not for salvation, but, but that they have this overabundance of righteousness. Well, once again, as we saw from the book of Luke, there's no human being that has an overabundance of righteousness. <laughs> at, at, at our peak, at our peak, we're just meeting the standard of what we're supposed to be. We're never earning excess righteousness that we could somehow spread out and use elsewhere or share with others. You would not make a very good Roman Catholic, it sounds like. Really. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm apparently a Protestant. Okay, so okay. That, that's how that worked out. <laughs> So there's no scapula, no saint scapula hanging around your neck or anything there like is that. Not. I don't I don't notice anything either. So No, there is not. So so yeah, so this reality is he must be truly human and truly righteous because it's only a human that's going to be able to pay for man's sins and and but at the same time we have sins that absolutely need to be paid for. Hmm. Uh question 17. Why must he also be true God? And the answer is, so that by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity and earn for us and restore to us righteousness and life. Hmm. All right. 
we already have discussed, and, and God's word starts out with this idea that human beings were created good. We were created upright before the fall. It is in the fall that the sin and misery entered that we discussed for the first couple of Lord's days. And it is that state of righteousness that we are seeking to get back to, but we can't do it for ourselves. Well, questions in answer 17 show us it's only God, that God is the only one who is going to be able to correct that which is out of balance, to, to, uh, to, to, to change those scales and, and pay that debt that we have earned for ourselves and do so by giving us the kind of righteousness that we should have had all along. I like that word restore in question answer 17, restore to us righteousness and life, restoration. There are a lot of actually kind of home improvement repair kind of shows out there that people just love that talk about restoration, restoring, um, sometimes taking an old fixer-upper and restoring. And you're like, oh, that's just beautiful. That's That was the beauty it used to be. And it's even more beautiful. And in some ways, this, this is an example of that. It talks about this restoration. That we're much better than than an old house, for instance, that's brought back to to a former beauty. We're actually restored, and then we're also going to see later on, we're, we're given something even more glorious than even Adam and Eve had, which is uh, which we will talk about later on in the Heidelberg Catechism. Right, right. And, and really, you know, what we're talking about here is someone else <clears throat> taking our sin and misery upon themselves and us receiving that righteousness, that that glory that we couldn't live up to, that Adam and Eve were not able to live up to. They couldn't maintain mm. that standard. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 teaches us this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. While, we're, while we want to be restored to that righteousness of, of Adam and Eve before they sinned and fell, you know, they had that possibility, uh, the, the opportunity, the, the eventuality of sinning and falling and coming up short. And what we have in Christ, what we receive in him is even beyond yes. what we have yes. in Adam and Eve, what they first experienced and ended up losing. What we're given in Christ, the believer will not lose. We started out actually thinking just a little bit about uh, sometimes these girls talking about a future, the perfect man. And uh, having gone through question and answer 16 and 17, that reminds me almost of that uh, song by Bonnie Tyler, that song, Holding Out for a Hero. It's kind of like that, I think, right here. I know what did she she's saying. I, I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. He's got to be strong and he's got to be fast and he's got to be fresh from the fight. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the morning light. He's got to be sure, and he's got to be soon. He's got to be larger than life. I, d- I didn't sing that for you, Lloyd. I mean, we could if yeah. we want to go back because it's super catchy. But this is this is even better than Bonnie Tyler had in mind, this, this hero. Jesus Christ is this hero, which the next question answer actually is going to introduce us to his name. Right. It does. It does. Jesus and is definitely larger than life. He, he is, he is large. definitely larger. He is a hero. He came in the morning light. He was fresh from the fight. That's, he, I mean, that is, that's Good Friday right there and Easter Sunday and his whole life. This was a battle. And yet Jesus 
though he was tempted in every way like us, he, he didn't sin. In fact, it says that in Hebrews chapter 4, um, very clear as it talks about this high priest. He is this amazing hero, mm. the much better. Uh, I think he's worth singing about uh, all the time, actually, Lloyd. Yeah, yes. maybe not with the words of Bonnie not Tyler. Not with Bonnie Tyler's necessarily, uh, that's true. I, I don't see Bonnie Tyler probably being sung at Coopersville or Beaver Dam anytime but soon. Probably not. Um, I don't even know how that would go on the organ, actually. <laughs> I don't know that, that would work. On our organs. <laughs> All right. With that, we'll move into question 18 and hear the the good news have revealed to us who it is. We are looking forward to seeing this one who is both truly God and truly man. Question 18. And who is this mediator, true God and at the same time truly human and truly righteous? And the answer is our Lord Jesus Christ, who was given us to set us completely free and to make us right with God. Something about that name, the Lord Jesus. That's a, that's a song. There are a lot of songs in this, Lord. They look, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And here's his name, Lloyd. There, there it is, right, right here. And and what we have here is this one who came to over uh to to do what could not be done, what no one else could do. Uh the Old Testament is just full of examples of, uh, you oh. know, Israel's history is full of <laughs> examples of kings that came to save, to deliver, to protect, and to lead God's people. And uh, boy, they don't only they don't last too long. It is Tyler. a debris field of of, of strewn wreckages, yeah, of uh, failed redos, right? Um, on there, but Jesus, Jesus is the redo. He's that sec- He's that Adam we needed. Uh, the first Adam blew it, and all subsequent Adams blew it, um, who who even attempted to do that. But Jesus Christ, the second Adam, the true second Adam, is the one who redid it, and he did it for us. Finally, finally, here is this one whom we needed, this this hero, this perfect man uh, to, to be married to. Right, right. I've, I've seen that meme going around a few times this uh, time of year with the uh, Lord of the Rings characters, the Hobbits, and they talking about how, yes, we've had a first Adam, but when is the second Adam coming in? And so there is that understanding, and we see that laid out through uh, for us all throughout Scripture, as we'll get into in, in number 19 here yes. in a minute. There's been this expectation and this longing for an Adam that wouldn't blow it, yes. an Adam that wouldn't fail, an Adam that could live up to those righteous standards that God had for his people. And... Who is it? Well, God's word is clear. It's Jesus Christ. He is the only one that lived that level of righteousness and was not just a righteous or a good man, a good teacher, as some want to say, but was also truly God, as he had to be to accomplish the salvation that we stand in need of. And so passages like like John uh, 3 and, and 16, of course, talk about this this salvation and, and remind us of, of how the, the purpose for which Jesus was given as the, the only begotten Son of God who, who came so that uh, none should perish, but that they should have eternal life. And for God did not send his, his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That was the plan. It wasn't coming in judgment. It wasn't coming in condemnation. 
Uh, that's more what we see that will happen at the second yes, coming. Yes, that's coming eventually, but, but yeah, today is the yep. day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation, and 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 Jesus' first coming, his first uh, entrance into this world, fully God and fully man, was for the purpose of bringing salvation to his people. And and verse, verse 18 is so clear in this too. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The only Son mm. of God. There aren't multiple sons of God. There aren't multiple options to find salvation from our sin and our misery that we've all recognized we are guilty and partaking of. It is the only Son of God, Jesus Christ, that makes that salvation possible. Mm-hmm. And we see that laid out through God's Word. Yes, and that's where we get to question answer 19. Question. Which is, there is so much in question answer 19. I've just been waiting to burst from the scenes to talk about this one. So let's get into this one, Lloyd. Oh, uh, we're out of time, Tyler. It's <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right, question 19. How do you come to know this? And the answer is, the Holy Gospel tells me. God himself began to reveal the gospel already in paradise. Later, he proclaimed it by the holy patriarchs and prophets and portrayed it by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. Finally, he fulfilled it through his own dear son. There's that phrase, Lloyd, uh, which I've heard even before seminary, heard actually in catechism at Coopersville Christian Reformed Church growing up here bastion of orthodoxy, which I love. And so, but I got it in seminary too. It's the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. And this is that question and answer. The old, or excuse me, the new as in the new covenant, new, the new Testament, um, all that's unpacked. The gospel is in the old Testament, the old concealed there. It's um, But then the old, the old covenant, the old Testament is in the new revealed. It's uh, we we see where God was going with everything, and and thanks be to God for that. Right, um, right. It's 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 painted for us to see. I think of a, a a street artist or somebody that you know is starting to jot some things down, and and people are trying to guess what is he what is he painting and where is it going? And all throughout the Old Testament, God is painting His plan of salvation. He is pointing over and over again towards Jesus Christ and the one who's coming. But as piece and piece and layer after layer is added to it, you know, God's people didn't really grasp it hmm. fully. We didn't fully get the picture. We knew there needed to be a second Adam. We knew someone needed to come and fix this, but we didn't see, we couldn't understand, and we couldn't grasp, we couldn't find that full picture to see. And what is it we have in the New Testament? We have that laid clearly for us now so that we can look back at the Old Testament and see, Oh, these were the ways that God was working. This is what he was doing. This is how all of these things are pointing to Jesus. It's the masterpiece. It I, is. I was visiting Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago. They have a, quite the amazing subway system. Sometimes these big cities, of course, do that. And just at first going there, it struck me, Lloyd, or just, you know, what is it, red line, the blue line, green line, all these different lines that go different places. And you first get there and it can be overwhelming. You're like, I don't understand how does this stuff all connect together? But the more I 
traveled the D.C. subway system, uh, the transit line, the more it actually began to make sense to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is actually where this goes, and this interconnects here, and and this ends up here, and this ends up here. And I think in many ways it's almost like Scripture. Sometimes you can, as a new believer, you can come to Scripture, and it can be almost overwhelming because there's so many different genres, and you're like, okay, what do I, where do we make of this? But the beauty of the Reformed faith, the beauty of the Reformed confessions um, – and it is it brings so much of this together, and it says, no, actually, God has had this amazing plan that that ultimately points to Jesus Christ, this kind of redemptive historical understanding of the Old Testament, that there are glimpses and there are pictures and there are ways that Jesus Christ is revealed in different ways, shadows of him, and until all of a sudden the light finally shines, Jesus Christ is born, and he comes into the world, and it's like, aha, kind of that sometimes people have that aha moment, especially when they come to Reformed faith. They're like, there's so much richness here. It is so amazing because you put so much of it together. And it's like, well, we're just actually just telling you what the Bible says. Um, and there sometimes we sing, you know, the, I said there are a lot of songs here. I think about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is one of these kind of um, from the Old Testament, and all of a sudden Jesus Christ is this Emmanuel, and, and now he's come, the this long-expected one, like even... The, the second verse, O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient time didst give the law in cloud and majesty and all. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. And it goes from there. We see, for instance, in the book of Hebrews, uh, is a great book that shows how this new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed, and you get a place like in Hebrews chapter 4, it speaks about Mount Sinai, um, and, or excuse me, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, um, speaks about Israel at Mount Sinai and how the people are fearful and they're needing a mediator and how they, they cry out for that. And in many ways, Moses is kind of that mediator, but then Hebrews 12 also brings out, starting with verse 18, that that Moses wasn't even the mediator that they needed, um, and how eventually the writer of Hebrews says, we've come to something even greater than Mount Sinai. On there, we've come to this mountain, is verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. And then it, it keeps on going in it, and it talks about, and, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, the sprinkled to those sprinkled by that blood, it speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And so you're so like, oh, wow. Jesus is this, Jesus is that true mediator we needed. Moses wasn't that mediator. Moses was amazing, but he wasn't that mediator we needed. He was a fallen, sinful person who was also fearful of a holy God. And so we needed Jesus Christ. And so like Hebrews 12, for instance, brings that out. Hebrews 4 brings it out when it talks about a Sabbath rest, talks about Joshua enters in the land, but that wasn't the rest that they needed yet. Um, and then verse 12 and 13 of Hebrews 4 kind of points out our sin. We're like, uh-oh, well, we're still really not at that rest in and of ourselves. But then verse 14 and 15 talks about Jesus, this again, this high priest and how he is, he's the one who doesn't have sin. And it's like, oh, Jesus gives us this rest. The, the Sabbath was ultimately looking to Jesus Christ and our fulfillment in him. It's like, oh, I understand this now. Right. Right, and it's all pointing forward. It is it is all working together and pointing forward towards Christ, and that's what we see over and over in throughout the Old Testament. Uh, another passage that that ties in with this would be Micah chapter seven, verse eighteen. Uh, Micah seven eighteen says, "Who is a God like you, 
pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because, because he delights in steadfast love. Yeah, think about that. God, in the Old Testament, we see his justice. We see his righteousness. We see his holiness. We see his indignation, as we talked about earlier. And yet there is this reality that God does not treat his people as they deserve. That over and over again, he does not punish them as they deserve. He relents from giving them what they really have deserved. How is it that God is just, and yet he lets his people off the hook over and over again? Well, Romans 3, verse 25, mm. it explains that reality as it, it talks about uh, how, how Jesus was set forward and, and he was set forward to, so that uh, God's people could be justified by his grace and redemption in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over hmm. former sins. Wow. That, How that, is it? That's so rich. How is that's it so in the good. Old Testament that God had let his people off the hook? These sins are these bulls. Because Ferdinand, Ferdinand, Ferdinand took care of the sins, not, though, right? Was not taking care oh. of the sin. But God said when they were faithful, when they were obedient, when they sacrificed that bull, when Ferdinand died in their place, he looked forward to Christ and said, all right, because I am going to yes. display my righteousness in my son, and I am going to display my justice, and he is the one who will take your sin, and I will place it on him. That is how God maintained his righteousness and his justice, even when he did not treat his people as they deserved in times past. Wow. That's preachable right there. That is preachable, Lloyd. I like it. It oh, makes me almost want to sing about Jesus Christ being this hero again. Um, uh, uh, not, should, not we sing, that. should we sing no, that? Um, no, 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 uh, no. The, the, our culture has a lot of hero worship, um, but they don't. Our culture really doesn't worship the true hero the, the way that we need to, or they just simply don't worship the hero at all, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus. The way question and answer eighteen says. Jesus is to be our hero worship right. on there because who else has done this? Right. No, no one. Right. No one. Yep. So uh, all, all the sacrifices, all the ceremonies of the law were all fulfilled through what Jesus came to do. Woohoo! That is good news. That is very good, good news. Good news for Ferdinand. That is very good news. <laughs> no more. Uh, uh, and, and Bessie didn't even have to worry anyway. And, and was, Bessie for, didn't have to, to, to worry right. either. Yes. And, 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 and yet... This is the salvation that we have in Christ. How 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 unique and incredible that second Adam that God has provided for his people is. This one who is the perfect uh, groomsman, the, the mm. perfect uh, partner that we need as the bride of Christ, and the one who came in the fullness of time for his people. All of the Old Testament was pointing forward, looking towards that coming. All of the New Testament is pointing back, looking at Christ and explaining, all right, how is it that we are called to live? It's all one big story. It all works together, and it's all focusing on this incredible uh, hero that we've been given, the one who's truly man, truly righteous, and truly God. Tyler? I think that's Lord's Day 6, in a nutshell. I, I don't think we're probably getting a song out of you this time either, right, Lloyd? No, no, no. I don't. Maybe, maybe next 
maybe next episode, next podcast. I we guess will, you can leave that threat out there hanging will, over everyone's we'll head. That. That's right. It, so, it, it is a beautiful vision we'll leave for me. Not a threat, Lloyd. It's, it's a beautiful vision, actually, that will make people want to come back and maybe hear you sing. Yes, yes. We will see about that. Okay. So, all right. That is episode six, Lord's Day six. And uh, we look forward to continuing this journey with you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Three Forms Podcast, a joint ministry of Beaverdam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. To contact us, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page, Substack, on YouTube, or email us directly at threeformspodcast at gmail.com. Three Forms Podcast, walking the good and trusted old paths together.